Osiris. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a second to tell you about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com stormsound50 and use code stormsound50 to get 50% off your first box and along with two free wellness shots per box while the subscription is active. That's code stormsound50 at factormeals.com stormsound50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Welcome back to We Move Through Stormy Weather, a fish podcast where we compare and contrast songs and the evolution of their jamming styles throughout the band's career. My name is Ryan Storm, and today I'm excited to bring you a very special episode all about the 2021 Fish Jam of the Year bracket. In order to vote and participate in this bracket, head on over to the fish.net forum and jump into our discussion thread. Voting has begun. Shout out to the rest of the bracket committee, Greg, Paul, John, and Matt. Joining me to discuss the bracket today are two We Move Through Stormy Weather alumni, Justin Bruce and Brian Brinkman. You can hear them in episodes 1 and 19, respectively. Justin and Brian, you guys can say hi. Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me on again. Good to be here. How is everybody doing? Excited to be here. Yeah, thank you guys so much for coming back on. I know uh, Justin and I, it's kind of a bit of a redemption special episode today because back in early October, we had recorded a... uh, summer 2021 recap episode uh that unfortunately the uh, recording platform decided it didn't want to save uh so we unfortunately lost that but we're we're redeeming it today you're tempting fate by bringing that up i know but i had to i had to mention it but uh we're gonna we're gonna take everybody through uh the bracket uh matchup by matchup in the first round the three of us have all filled out um our personal opinion of what we think should win uh, and I'm excited for some great discussion on some of the best jams of 2021. Um, the bracket also, you can see more information about it uh, on my blog, ryanstorm.substack.com. That will be linked in the description of the episode. And of course, it is bracket season. I'm going to plug the other one. Uh, go check out the goose bracket if you haven't already. Uh, polls are up for that every day at noon on Jive Goose's Twitter. So, are we ready? Yes, sir. Ready. All right. So, our first matchup in the top left of the bracket, uh, we have the one seed, the mighty Deer Creek Simple, taking on uh, 16 seed Energy from uh, October 20th in Eugene. I mean, I think all three of us can agree, you know, Deer Creek Simple. 
this wasn't really a matchup for me. Yeah. Uh, I kind of feel like simple deserved to buy here. Um, I, I really enjoy the 1020 energy, but to, to me, most of, we'll get to another 1020 jam later, but 1020 is a full show vibe. And the mm. first set is like a full complete first set. The energy is a part of that. It's not something that I'm going to go back to and listen to individually. I'm really glad it happened. I'm glad that it was in the second slot of the first set. Really, really was like a great, great moment in that overall tour, but had nothing against this simple. And for me, it was nice to listen to this simple again, just because I had taken a little bit of a hiatus from some of these fall 2021 jams. Uh, Obviously, I listened to everything in real time or was at shows, uh, but wow. This one, uh, even a bit better, like upon re-listen a couple months later than, than I recalled in the moment. So yeah. yes, the mighty Deer Creek simple. Moving on there uh, pretty easily. Next matchup was a really tough one for me. We've got the eight seed, uh, the Phoenix, everything's right up against the nine seed Vegas tweezer. I was in Phoenix, uh, you know, it was my first show back uh, from the pandemic. Um, absolutely incredible night and I loved this Everything's Right, but I also love the Vegas Tweezer so much. Um, I ended up going Everything's Right here. I think it just has a bit more to offer in terms of Type 2 exploration. But And that last couple of minutes where they get into that dark space, you know, Pink Floyd kind of thing was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, it, it could go either way. Yeah, I kind of hated doing this matchup because yeah. I loved this Everything's Right. I had really great seats for... Uh, this particular show is dead center in the pavilion. And, you know, this show was really uneven. It had great moments and it had a lot of like questionable song selections. It felt like a Southwest fish show in a very classic way, but then like elevating itself by fish 2021 standards. I ultimately went the tweezer because the last three to five minutes of this jam are so locked in and so just simple groove oriented and felt like they reached another kind of plane of musical exploration and communication. That said, this is one of those matchups. And I think that there are probably five or six of them here that we'll talk through that just based on the moment I was listening back to this, I could have gone either way. I tried to remove attendance bias as much as possible where I could. And maybe that impacted my overall decision, but, but I ultimately went tweezer here. I, mm. I think you can't go wrong though. This is like one of those, March Madness uh, matchups in round one that comes down to just like a last second shot and whoever walks off like as a loser was still the winner. Yeah. And, and organizing the bracket that goes like a, a, like the one sixteen matchup and then immediately an eight, nine matchup is just like, it's like, Oh, this one was really easy. And then you just go down to the next one. It's like, Oh, that's not easy. Yeah. And I ended up going with the, everything's right. Even though I loved Loved, love, love that set two from night two in Vegas. And those were the only fall shows, the Vegas run that I was able to attend. So I did have a little attendance bias with the tweezer. Uh, it was just a phenomenal set. I love the Reba in that set. Uh, the sand was great, but I ended up going with everything's right. I listened to everything again in the bracket and just to help myself suss all of this out. Cause I don't quite have the, type of brains that I know Ryan and Brian have. Like I need, I need a system. I scored mm-hmm. everything on like a, 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 
uh, one to 10 scale. And this everything's right upon re-listen for me was a seven and the tweezer was a six. So it was close. The seating was great. But yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with the Phoenix. Everything's right. Yes. And yeah, I, I, I do want to mention system that you have oh. in place here. I love the scoring system you have. I did not go with that model and that is brilliant. I might have to do that going it's forward. A, it's a great idea. It's just for simplicity's sake. I mean, uh, as you guys know, just from knowing me the last several years, if I'm going through like a whole tour or a whole year of jams, I, I have to have some some kind of hierarchy to help myself sort it all out. But right. uh, yeah, that's that's what I've got here. And uh, everything was right in Phoenix. Yeah, I, I do want to mention on the topic of seating, um, unlike the goose bracket that where the seating was done by the committee, uh, this bracket was seated via fan submissions. Um, so people on fish.net had an opportunity to rank their personal uh, top 64 jams. And then we plugged that into a spreadsheet that then seeded it. So there are some um, discrepancies, I would say, uh, you know, not everything's perfect. Um, we'll get to uh, one we're gonna of my... We're going to get to that in the next matchup, yes. The next matchup. I, I was going to say we're going to get to it, uh, my personal ones, later in this region. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to the next matchup. Uh, we've got five seed... Uh, the San Francisco uh, Set Your Soul Free up against the 12 seed split open and melt from uh, the second night of Eugene. This Set Your Soul Free is in my top five jams of the year. Um, it is phenomenal that like there's just some I, I describe it as delightfully scuzzy uh, jamming. Like I just I, I absolutely love this thing. Yeah, this uh, is at worst a two seed for me in the overall bracket. Mm-hmm. Um you know, or in, in one of the regions, the riff that Trey plays and then repeats and then distorts and then the band builds off of from about 16 to 19 minutes is um, perhaps my favorite riff of the entire year. Uh, he just, you know, Trey's guitar playing allows him so much opportunity for color and communication and exploration. And yet there are times where he'll just find a riff that any one of us could have found just playing around with our scales, but the way that he impacts it, the overall dynamics that he plays with the effects that he offers with it. And then the way that he distorts it, like I said, is one of the things that makes him so special. And this jam has one of those riffs that just builds and builds and your scuzzy description is perfect. It's so shoegazy to me. Um, This show, you know, you compare it with the night before, which is just let's play, Every song we're going to play is in a slot that it doesn't belong and is going to jam in ways that are unpredictable. Sunday night is a little bit more predictable from a first set standpoint, but then you get the first four songs, second set since 620, 2004. And it all starts with this set your soul free. That just goes way longer than it should go in the second slot of the second set. Mm -hmm. This was a clear, clear winner for me in this round. Yeah, it didn't take a lot of consideration to go with uh, Set Your Soul Free for me, even though that split open and melt was very solid. And it's nice really that good. there was like a mini resurgence of split open and melt this year, which totally makes sense, you know, considering the overall tones, uh, just the macro picture kind of aligns uh, with split open and melt having a good year. But yeah, it's funny, Brian, that you mentioned the 16 minute mark because I, in my notes said there, they're starting to make hay at 16 minutes, thanks to heavier tray tones and more mic. And one of the things that I liked about this year is how they would kind of 
evolve slash devolve into noisiness. And that takes mm-hmm. a little bit of bravery. They might not necessarily know where they were going like 15 to 20 minutes into a jam all the time, but they would just, you know, point, point their sound into outer space or wherever you want to describe it and just keep going and going and going. So the fact that they're able to bring it back into set your soul free, I think was, was pretty great. So yeah, that's, I'm rolling with the set your soul free. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's a shame at the you know the seating of the set your soul free and you know what region it ended up in because this could easily make the final four if it didn't run into the Deer Creek Simple uh, in the Sweet Sixteen. Agree. Um, all right, next matchup we've got four seed the Shoreline Stash uh, up against the thirteen seed Nashville Ghost. Another pretty easy pick for me. Uh, Shoreline Stash is just incredible. Again has an unfortunate matchup against that set your soul free in the second round, which I think is going to end up being close, but for me um, is not close. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's awesome. Stash had a really good year this year. Yeah. Um, Shoreline and Deer Creek are both fantastic versions. Um, Deer Creek kind of came as a shocker to a lot of listeners when it happened. Um, it seemed to pick up on the vibe of, the simple and the blaze on from the night previously. And then a couple of weeks later, they play this incredible stash in one of the best shows of the entire year, if not the best show of the entire year. Uh, this stash just took the song and the ability for the song to transform a set to a completely new level. Um, there have been some excellent versions throughout 3.0. This is not like one of those classic fish songs that we haven't heard a great jam from in a long time, but 2021 elevated it in a lot of ways mm-hmm. i love the 8-4 ghost but kind of like what i was saying about the 10-20 energy that 8-4 second set is a whole piece to me it's not one individual jam that that dominates over the entire thing the whole um, is greater than the sets, sum of its parts yeah and so for ranking sets it's a different conversation but when we just take this stash versus that ghost there's really there there's very limited competition for me in this segment i agree with that i totally think that yeah the second night in nashville was uh was almost in my top five from summer tour and it wasn't necessarily because of any specific jam it was just the whole picture uh but yeah i had to go with the stash uh one thing i remember thinking when you know i heard the show like early the next morning was i love trey's like campy lyrical delivery that he gets into uh Mm -hmm. that i feel like i'm in the minority here i don't know how you guys feel about it but he really like draws out some of the some of the verses here. It doesn't have anything to do with the jam, which is great, and just goes and goes and goes. And the fact that they're able to bring it home uh, is is impressive. But that was just I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm a Broadway guy after all, just like Trey is, because uh, it's. I mean, I understand why people aren't aren't huge fans, but it's just uh, to me, it's super entertaining and always makes me kind of smile and crack up. Makes Trey happy, so it makes me happy. <laughs> I like it in parts. I like it in parts. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's let's go to the next matchup, which again, not an easy one. Uh, Six seed, the uh, Santa Barbara Pebbles and Marbles up against the 11 seed, the Vegas Seven Below. Um, I go Pebbles here. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised by this 20 minute uh, show opening version. Um, I think it was great. Um, you know, I think it, it's not the best jam of the year, but I think it's still a very good jam. And I think it grabbed me a little bit more than the seven below did. 
This is my first upset of the overall bracket. Mm-hmm. I went seven below the 11 seed. Um, I love the Pebbles. I think, uh, you know, I, I was at the forum show and when they started jamming you enjoy myself, I got a text from my wife that said, do you want to extend your trip and go to Santa Barbara? And I started looking at flights like midway through that first set and I started really? looking at ticket options <laughs> and ultimately I decided to fly home and then they open up with pebbles and marbles and they jam it for 20 minutes. And I was like, man, you made the wrong decision. Albeit while knowing that a good buddy of mine was shut out from Santa Barbara when he was staying in, in, in the town. Um, so it, I probably would not have gotten in. I say all this because like that was a shocking, shocking moment to me though, listening back the seven below goes places. I haven't really heard seven below go definitely since 2018, since that 1231, 2018 version. But it really reminded me of a 2.0 gym. Hey, hey, Brian, hey, Brian, where else did we talk about seven below? Well, you can find that in episode 19 of we moved through. (laughs) (laughs) No, ultimately, like the seven below just got to these weird spaces that defined everything that made that number show work. Yeah. And that show like I've been saying, felt like a sum of its parts. But then when I went back and listened to some of these jams, I was like, man, there is so much creativity happening within this show that I just, I, I did, I had to go with it. And it was a super close matchup. I think ultimately for me, even though I was at the seven below show and I was, I was not at the Santa Barbara show, although I will say Santa Barbara and Montecito are two of my favorite towns in the whole wide world. And the idea or concept of seeing fish in Santa Barbara kind of blows, blows my hair back, but I went pebbles and marbles just because I, I really love the song pebbles and marbles and I would love to see pebbles and marbles get played more. The fact that it opened the show, I love walls of the cave. Anytime it, you know, closes a set, it's great. But in the back of my 2.0 loving brain, I always think, man, I kind of wish this was pebbles and marbles instead. So the fact that it, came back and it was strong and it opened the show is what gave it the slight edge. Although the seven below is great. And as someone who had to take a lot of math during his uh, school years, I think the fact that the title of the song is seven below and not minus seven degrees uh, means that they sequenced the numbers correctly because that was a thing. I feel like that was a thing with the number show. People were like, "Eh, I don't know, maybe they should have put that last, but I think think (laughs) the math checks out. Yeah. I love it. It's good. Um, next matchup, which I don't understand how this matchup is possible in the first round, but hey, this is what people decided based on their rankings. Um, we've got the Alabama Carini at a seat at a three seed up against somehow the Dick's Chalk Dust at a fourteen seed. It's twenty minutes of pretty great chalk dust jamming, and it's a fourteen seed. It's. You know, it's yeah, it's kind of. I think, I, think is, it, I think it's it suffers from being in the same show as the Carini and kind of getting yeah. lost in the second set. Um, but I listened to it about a week ago again, and I, you know, again, not not the best jam of the year, but it would be like way way more highly regarded in a different year. Yeah, I think I went Carini. I think the Choctaws should be about a five or six seed. I think the one thing holding the Choctaws back and the ultimately the thing that pushes the Carini forward here is the Choctaws is a 20 minute jam to me. Um, 
it jams for 20 minutes. It's got yeah. good moments, but it kind of just jams for 20 minutes. Whereas the Carini, both in the moment when that, when that jam happened second night of tour and listening back, there's a lot of focus, creativity and communication happening behind, between the band. And to me, that success of that jam is what ultimately leads to a splattering of 20 to 25 minute jams that would come over the next, you know, four months, three months. Um, I would like to have seen this Choctaw in a different setting, maybe a five to seven seed and give it a little bit more of a fair opportunity to move into round two. Mm-hmm. But ultimately this Carini is just, it's one of my favorite versions of Carini of the year in a year filled with some of my favorite versions of Carini ever. Yeah. This was the first big jam of summer tour. And after, you know, an Arkansas show that was uh, controversial for a lot of dumb reasons. The, I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, it was a solid first show of the tour, but the fact that then they went into Alabama and just busted out a big jam, I think everyone breathed a huge sigh of relief because this was the singular jam from that show. It got a lot of play. It got a lot of attention as everyone was paying a lot of attention because it was early in the tour. I think that has a lot to do with it, but yeah, they're close calls, but I ultimately went with uh, Carini. It was it was really exciting to hear them jam that out, and it was like, yeah. okay, all right, we're we're going to be good here. We're on a on a on the right trajectory here. Yeah, well, I, as you know, as I think most people who listen to this at this point know, I'm at camp all summer, and so I can't webcast uh, the shows, but I I can go on Fish.net and look at what they're playing. And I just remember, you know, after the first night where. You know, I read the reviews and I saw the chatter a little bit like, you know, they weren't playing as well. And, you know, they were kind of a little bit hesitant on jams. Then the second night they come out and I go on and I check it and there's a 25 minute Carini on the set list. And I was like, yes, like they're here. Um, And I I think these three huge jams from that opening weekend, uh, the Carini, the Chalk Dust and the Tweezer. um, To me, they're kind of like fish making a statement about what their new sound is like it, it you know they're 25 to 35 minutes of this like hard charging groove lots of synths you know trays new tones um but i think they get beat by a lot of the jams that would come later in the year just because those have more depth and go off into more unknown territory but these two like still a phenomenal jam um, but I think, you know, a three seed is right around where this one should sit. And I, this is actually, I think at this point, my third favorite Carini of, a, of the year, which is still an incredibly high bar. I'm actually with you. Yeah, I think that is also my th- my third favorite Carini of the year now that I check the bracket. Yeah, I, I always feel weird saying that because then, it, it you know, it seems like I'm saying it's bad but it, it's it's so incredible there were three great carinis yeah at the very least yeah there were and it, interestingly i mean I'm, I'm just looking ahead at my bracket right now this is the so this is my third favorite yeah but based on matchups this is the second furthest that it goes in the bracket there we go so yeah let's wait it's all about that. the matchups we'll we'll see We'll see what other Carinis are doing. Um, next matchup, seven seed, the Hershey Birds of a Feather up against the 10 seed, Vegas 1999. Um, I really like the birds here. I really like when they jam out birds. Um, I think, I mean, this Hershey show is awesome, and this birds, uh, you know, hitting almost 20 minutes uh, in the second set. I think it's it's a great jam, lots of momentum to it. Um, 
I really enjoy it. And the, you know, the 1999, I think I need to listen to it more, but it's, it's pretty great. And the energy when they bust into it, uh, is awesome. Um, you know, Justin, you were there, so you can speak a little bit more to that, but. And without looking at the set list and knowing I have mush for brains, that was the second song of the numbers show, correct? Correct. It was 2001, which was incredible, and then 1999. So I, I, I know even during that second song, I was turning to my buddy and saying, "Are we, uh, are we doing number all numbers here? We could yeah. do all numbers here." So there was that excitement, but yes, it was more of the novelty of, "Hey, it's 1999. This is incredible, and it was fun." Uh, but yeah, for me, it was. It was Hershey Birds, and uh, it wasn't. It was close, but it wasn't that close. It was an easy choice to roll with the Hershey Show, and <laughs> for back-to-back shows, pretty impressive to go from Hershey Night One eh, to Hershey Night Two. Yeah, and I mean, you you never know what you're going to get, which is why whenever there's a multi-night run, it's like I'm going to save myself the mental anxiety and anguish and just hit all the shows. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I went Birds of a Feather as well. Um, this Hershey show is one of my favorite shows of the summer tour, and the Birds just has so much creativity. Um, I think you're spot on, Justin. The 1999, to me, it's a good jam. It's not my favorite jam of the overall evening, and I think it's more the shock value of them playing 1999. I would probably go with the Powder Night version as my favorite jam yeah. take on 1999. So um, I, I kind of think... Whereas the nine three chalk dust is ranked too low, the ten twenty eight nineteen ninety nine is probably ranked a little bit too high. This is something around like a thirteen fourteen seed for me. But all that said, uh, the birds of a feather took it easily. Mm-hmm. Next matchup. Um, speaking of jams that are ranked too high, uh, we've got the San Francisco MoMA dance at uh, a fifteen seed up against uh, the Chula Piper at a two seed. Obviously, this is Piper uh, in a complete landslide for me, um, you know, despite the fact I was at Chula um, and absolutely love that. It was it's an incredible jam. Um, I personally don't think this MoMA belongs on the bracket, but we had 16 people vote for it, um, which was crazy. Um, we had a lot of people ranking it very high. And I, I understand, like, I love this version of MoMA close the second set has that really cool monkey man jam in it but to me it's more of like a cool type 1.5 you know raging version i much rather would have seen uh the atlantic city moma make the bracket which got was just outside the top 64 um but yeah it's all piper here i'm right there with you i was at both of these shows i don't think the moma belongs on this list um i know that there are a couple other 10, 16 non Carini uh, jams that are on here to me. I don't think the 46 days from that show made the list, but that was probably my favorite jam of both sets. Um, yeah, I don't know. The moment is great. And it, but it, it felt kind of disappointing in the moment to be totally honest, because oh. you're coming off of these just incredible versions from the J fat tour. Right. And it looked like, wow, they're playing this this deep into set two and they've been jamming. It seemed like you were going to get a big type two jam out of this version of MoMA. And we got that kind of type 1.5 that was great, but I felt like they left a little bit on the table. This Piper, on the other hand, like it was in, in the moment, it was incredible. I was right on the rail. 
the lights were just like cascading down on me. It was one of those just stunning moments in fish concert history for me. And then listening back, it just, you get the same chills. So Piper without question here. Yeah. For me, it was an easy call to go with Piper. I think this is a good example of how like the the song uh, that you're jamming can kind of embed or imbue like a lot of, uh, a lot of the vibe that the jam takes on. Uh, this one has kind of built in cacophony, kind of like you would expect a good Piper jam would. I got some cross-eyed and painless vibes mm. in a lot of spots in this jam. Mm. Uh, I mean, Mike, Mike is doing meaningful things with his drill. Uh, and then the segue that gets them into sense is also pretty, pretty great. So yeah, it was, it was an easy call for me. This is kind of one of, I don't want to say, darker jams, but one of the uh, maybe noisier jams uh, that that I thought we had, at least in this corner of the bracket. Yeah, and I would like to shout out the uh, the Chula Sense and the Chula Nomen, uh, which both didn't make the bracket, unfortunately, uh, but both are fantastic. And that sense coming out of the um, crazy alien abduction that was the end of Piper was just, it was a really cool moment at the show. All right, uh, that's our first region done. We're going to move across to the top right side. Uh, we're moving in a clockwise direction. Uh, we are going to have the one seed Alpharetta Tweezer up against the 16 seed uh, Vegas 46 Days. I think this 46 Days is very underseeded. Uh, should be, I think it should be at least, uh, like at the very least, a 12 or 13. Um, you know, Tweezer wins this. To me, uh, this Tweezer is all about the last. 10, 15 minutes. Um, I think, you know, the first 20 minutes are great as well. Um, but I, I think, you know, this was the number two overall seeded song. Um, I think I, I had it, I think around, I think I had it as a two seed, um, on mine, but I think, um, you know, spoiler, it doesn't make it out of this region for me. Actually, sorry, back up a little bit. Top left region. What do you guys have making the final four from it? I've got the simple. I have the simple. Um, I have it taken down the tweezer, the set your soul free in the sweet 16, which that riff just pushes that into the sweet 16 for me. Mm-hmm. And I have it taken down the seven thirty Carini in the elite eight. That jam beats out the seven below as well as the Chula Vista Piper. Um, just by nature of the fact that it's so long and creative, but the simple ultimately is the strongest jam. One of the strongest jams of the entire year and um, strongest jam in that region for me. Yeah. I had the simple coming out of this region, uh, how I got there. The simple overtook the uh, shoreline night one stash in the sweet 16. I had a close call with the uh, Pelham Carini and the Chula Vista Piper, but went with the Piper so the simple beat out the uh, Piper in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. This is the most basketball talk I think I've employed in like <laughs> ten or twenty years. This is great. <laughs> I, I yeah, I had simple. I had simple beating out Piper uh, as well to get there. Um, yeah, I, I have Piper beating Carini, um, and uh, same as Brian on the top half. Simple beating that set your soul. Okay. Anyway, over to uh, the top right. Um, I talked about the Alpharetta tweezer. You guys go ahead. You know, 
I try to listen to every single fish show live in the moment as possible. And I think I get to about 97, 98% of them. Um, I was traveling during the first week of tour and I had to do the family dinner type of thing on the night of the final show at Alpharetta and left my phone in the other room and I go to pick it up. And it's one of those moments where it's like, it's exploded. I don't know what to check first this text thread from my fish loving friends, my DMS emails even coming through. And it really came down to a couple of friends who I trust every one of their fish opinions on just like losing their mind as this tweezer was happening. And I'm reading through like, Oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe this happened. Oh my God. The jam is still going on. It was one of those moments where I was just like, I have to hear this. I can't wait to hear this jam. And I stayed up late that night listening to the show, listening to the jam, losing my own mind, texting everyone way past their own bedtimes. Um, Next morning, I talked to Ryan from Trey's Guitar Rig, who shared specific moments from this tweezer in our HF pod recap, which added all the more insights for me. It's It's the conversation where we really dove into the Jedi pedal. All of this is to say... The 46 days from this show is incredible. This tweezer is one of the most important jams of the entire year, of the entire era. There was absolutely no question for me. Yeah, and we talked about how the, uh, you know, Pelham, Carini was the first big jam of the tour. I mean, I feel like this was the best jam up until this point of the tour. Uh, Interesting, when I re-listened to this, I got some San Jose Trey vibes, which... Uh, having listened to a ton of late 1.0, to me, he kind of leans in that direction. It's just a part of his DNA, but also when maybe he's not super duper inspired, uh, just needs something to play. Uh, And I heard that a couple of times in this jam. Uh, This is still like early enough in the tour that I think we're still kind of in the formative coming back together, building up our strength. Um, But it cooks along and another like little piece of evidence to support that idea of like, all right, we're still working our way up the hill. The whole McGrupp and like Esther midsection of this jam, like that's something that happens a lot when, you know, we're obviously we're in type two territory, but we're when, when you're leaning on familiar themes, you know, it's, it is what it is. But I also noted the, the Jedi, pedal manteca kind of plinko vibes toward the tail end of this jam but yeah this mm-hmm. this is a huge jam interesting how high it is seated in the, in this poly roots poly roots uh quadrant of our of our bracket but yeah for me it was super easy to move along the tweezer yeah um yeah to your point about uh the your point about the McGrupp Esther part, um, you know, kind of landing on familiar themes when they're kind of unsure of where to go is a great point. Um, I totally uh, agree with that. Again, I had this as a two seed on my bracket. Um, but yeah, I do, I do have it. Spoiler alert. I have it getting beat out uh, in the sweet 16 by a jam that we will get to in a little while. Um, <laughs> next matchup, uh, we've got eight seed, uh, the Nashville, Mr. Completely up against the nine seed uh, Phoenix soul planet. Um, this soul planet was, you know, I definitely have a little bit of attendance bias, uh, in this matchup. You know, this was my first, uh, type two jam, uh, really coming out of this Martian monster that had gone type two, even though it was only seven minutes long, you know, it went into this 
very pretty major key jam. Um, and then went into this 19 minute soul planet. Um, and the peak of this jam is just so cool to me. Um, it's just, I, I, I love it. Uh, you know, again, there's probably a little bit of attendance bias in my decision here, but I went soul planet. I went Soul Planet as well. I think um, I do have one jam from the eight four second set advancing. We'll get to it here shortly. I love this Mister Completely. I celebrate every time that they play Mister Completely. Except I will not count. I refuse to count the version that I saw at the forum. Doesn't count. Give me a full <laughs> Mister Completely with the jam. That one was just a part of a set where they just decided to turn on classic rock radio and play a bunch of songs. It doesn't count. <laughs> I love every time that they open a second set with it though. Um, I think this soul planet is for a variety of reasons, one of the most underrated jams of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a first set jam. You're not used to, or I don't think I still don't think we're used to this kind of creativity in the first set. There was an incredible version of soul planet played about five weeks earlier, which we will get to. It's just gorgeous. It features, it's effortless. It kind of, I really liked what you were saying about the, the, the Alpharetta tweezer, Justin. And I think you're so, you're totally right. Like they were trying to work through a lot of things and they found something that really worked. And without that last 10 minutes of that Alpharetta tweezer, it's a pretty forgettable version. By this point though, two and a half months later, there's literally no effort going into any of these jams and they're just jamming and they're just playing off of each other. And the soul planet is one of those perfect versions of a jam that needs no significant moment, no significant segment. It's just such a pleasure to listen to. And it's just like, I could listen to it on repeat over and over and over again. So, uh, at the very least it needed to advance to, to the second round for me. Yeah. And I also had it advancing to the second round. Uh, you know, the Mr. Completely is a great example of a song setting the tone for the whole set. It was a phenomenal set that was influenced obviously by Mr. Completely. But yeah, for me, it was a pretty easy choice with this soul planet. And I agree with you guys. I think this is really one of the most underseated jams of this whole bracket for, for me, I had mentioned earlier, I was kind of scoring things on a, like a one to 10 scale. This was an eight for me. And Mm. that outscored a lot of like what, what made it into the top, like 20, 25 jams of this, of this entire list. So yeah, soul planet, no question. Yeah, definitely. Um, next one, uh, Brian already mentioned that he is an upset. Uh, we've got the five seed, uh, Frankie says from San Francisco up against the 12 seed, uh, Nashville bathtub gin. Now I, I get why you pick gin here. Um, it's a really cool gin. Um, again, part of that eight, four set. I, I did not pick this. Oh, you didn't. Is there another jam from eight, four that I've forgotten about? There, there is one. We're, we're coming to it. But you said um, I. You know what? Sorry, I looked at the bracket okay. and I was like, "Oh, in the next matchup, there's one that's advancing." I, I just, but I now just I see what you were talking clear about. Here, <laughs> <laughs> um, jamming up. Frankie says is awesome. Um, I was very uh, pleasantly surprised when they did it, um, and I would like to see more of it. You know, as as uh, Brian mentioned about the second set of ten sixteen. You know, you're getting jams in places that you. Uh, don't normally get and which we would see everywhere for the rest of fall. But this was really, you know, it was the second show of tour. Um, you know, Sacramento, your big jam had been that 
uh, Mercury, um, which yeah. tragically also got left out of the top 64 here. Um, but uh, yeah, just, yeah, this Frankie says is great. Yeah, yeah I went Frankie just, uh, the, the gin's good. The gin is a part of the set to me. Um, mm. I, I love the playfulness of it. To me, the Frankie says what made that 1016 show so special was every single gym, even when it didn't totally work out like the everything's right, or even parts of the gin. Um, even when it didn't totally work out, the band was still playing very, very different approaches to each jam. And the Frankie says when they fade out of the song and you fully expect them to go into a ballad and take us into the fourth quarter. And instead Trey starts playing these like, minor chords and they just move into a jam. There have been moments throughout that show where you were like, this is a classic. That was kind of the final moment of, I don't care what they play for the rest of the show. Obviously they would do themselves better some songs later, but the Frankie says being a bust out, a huge bust out um, and being a song that jammed in the way that it did. It, it was just such a special moment. It had to advance here. Yeah, I don't know if I have a, a, a ton of in-depth things to say, but for me, it was Frankie Says. And I, th- I think sometimes when you look at shows in retrospect and you see where things end up, you can kind of chart along the course of the sets. And this was just a, a big accomplishment on the way to bigger accomplishments later in the show. So Frankie Says for me. Yeah, absolutely. Next matchup, we've got uh, my second favorite Carini of the year, uh, the Dick's Carini at a four seed and uh, the Vegas Your Pet Cat at a 13 seed. This is all Carini for me. Um, you know, this Carini beats the Alpharetta Tweezer uh, in a couple of rounds on my bracket. Um, I absolutely adore it. There's a moment around 11 minutes in um, where there's just this Trey and Paige link up on this riff. Um, on, on synth and guitar and it's just it's such a perfect moment and then it just it just keeps getting better and i remember you know webcasting the show and we're just over an hour into the first set and you know trey rips into carini you're expecting this like 10 minute you know blazing type one version to close the set and they drop this all-timer 20 minute version and you know thinking about it like until a few years ago uh, the only Carini to ever pass 20 minutes was the debut version. Uh, and now we've got so many incredible, uh, you know, really long Carinis. And I just, this is, um, it was the best one. It was my favorite Carini ever uh, until uh, about six weeks later. <laughs> yeah, this Carini came, um, it was a shocking moment in the set. Uh, you had this very tepid intro to Dix followed by a couple cool rarities, but then out of nowhere, Trey starts shredding Carini. And then as he's playing it, he moves into this incredible jam segment that goes to one of the best closing peaks. I mean, I, I put it up there for me with the, uh, eight, 831, 2012 undermine in terms of the way that it closes the first set on that Friday night at Dix. Such an incredible moment. Um, your pet cat was great. Um, I kind of dock at points because we're it's seven years post. Well, we're seven years p- post chilling and thrilling. They literally wrote jams and this was 
the second or third type two version of a chilling thrilling song. Come on, come on. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we shouldn't be celebrating <laughs> this. Like this is, this is the expectation. Um, no, uh, the one regret I have, and you just mentioned it. And I think we, we were talking about it with that Alpharetta tweezer. I think I, that last 10 minutes of the Alpharetta tweezer are so important to me that I had that beating the Carini, but I think you're right. I think I enjoy this Carini more and it probably should go into the elite eight, but, um, I'm going to keep the bracket as it is, you know, let, you know, this is what I said at the moment. I'm going to keep it mm-hmm. the way it is. This Carini was shocking in the moment. I think Justin was three rows behind me and I turned around and he just like had his mouth agape, just like looking at the stage. And I was like, dude is totally locked in. And, uh, you feel it listening on tape now. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I remember after that set concluded, Brian, we sort of looked at each other with like, Hey, what did you think? And I feel like my eyes were like as big as saucer plates. It was just like, Holy crap. What are we going to get into over the next couple of nights? Uh, yeah, just, this is a really uplifting kind of bright, kind of positive sounding Carini, Mm -hmm. uh, which obviously kind of goes against the grain of what we typically look for in Carini. It's got a a real meaty kind of synthy middle section, and like you said, uh, Brian, the uplifting kind of final final part just so hooked up. Uh, this, yeah, this is not to spoil this bracket, but this is going to go the distance uh, for for me out of this out of this bracket. I really, really, really wow. love this jam. I could totally see it doing that. Yeah, um, I have one jam that we're going to get to beating it for a variety of reasons, but. One last thing I'll say about this. I I brought a very close friend to his very first fish show this night. And he was standing next to me during the first set. And I could tell he was, you know, he's listened to a lot of fish and I could tell he, he was like getting it. And then, you know, I I think I said to him at some point, like, well, they're playing some weird songs right now. Like they're kind of just getting into it. This isn't typical for Friday night at Dick's. And at the end of the Carini, I turned to him and I was like, that is a fish show. That right there. That <laughs> yeah. is a fish show. Yarmouth Road. That was not the. That was right. not the experience. No. The was, closer. That. That's what we're going for. That. That Yarmouth Road. That was the one that had like the cool little minute or two of jamming in it, though. It was like forty-five seconds. So are they going to do this? Is this going to be the greatest Yarmouth? And then Road yeah, ever? And, then, and then Mike started doing like that really high register vocal that he has in that song. And I was like, oh. Yeah. There is, speaking of Mike songs that had a brief jam, How Many People Are You From The Gorge has like a minute of Very good. Uh, great jamming that I keep forgetting about. Um, the and, Mole from The Gorge as well. Yes, that has a really and cool that gin uh, from, I the think, gin. I think yeah, the gin from The Gorge as well, which also unfortunately didn't make the bracket. Um, but that one is relentless. Um, anyway, next uh, matchup, we have... Uh, here's the Nashville jam, I guess, that you have advancing. Uh, but we've got the split open and melt uh, at a six seed from August 4th up against the Gorge Sense and Subtle Sounds uh, at an 11 seed. Um, this scent has kind of also gotten lost uh, in the context yeah. of the year. I think a lot of the high points from the Gorge run have, um, you know, there, there was a lot of great stuff in those three shows. I get that, you know, Shoreline happened two days later and, you know, everyone was kind of like, okay, this is significantly better. But, you know, you've got what I think is the best what's the use ever. Um, you know, you've got yeah. uh, the Camel Walk, which we'll get to later in the bracket. Uh, but this sense is great. Oh, and the Mr. Completely from the third night. Also fantastic, which, again, we will get to later. 
Um, but this, uh, the split open and melt is, I think the best one of the year. Um, in my opinion, um, you know, split open and melt has had such an incredible, uh, you know, last few years since 2018. Um, you know, it's really kind of, the band has really kind of grown into split open and melt again. Um, you know, while, where it was kind of not really, um, you know, getting getting deep on Split Open and Melt wasn't really in the cards for them and for the first huge chunk of 3.0 because of just the way the band was going and the way the band was jamming. They weren't as comfortable just diving off the deep end into that kind of crazy Split Open and Melt realm. realm. As, as Trey said at the Gorge when uh, Fishman misheard him and started it in the middle of the first set, they're scared of Split Open and Melt. Uh, but <laughs> this one's great. Yeah, this is the song that kind of sets itself apart the most in an incredible, fluid, full, like unified idea of a second set. And it reminded me a lot of, there's a great version from Las Vegas 2018. There's a great version from MSG 2018, both set closers that seem to take ideas from previously in the second set and repurpose them in a more psychedelically rich manner. And this split up and melt does it. I, I love this version. I love when they come around at the end and Trey tells us the key that it's in and he introduces the band members. It's just got all these little elements that, you know, we talked earlier when talking about like the Pelham, uh, Carini and the Alpharetta Tweezer. We talked about the sense that none of us really expected Fish to be that back that quickly. Mm-hmm. And by the time of this second show at Nashville, you got a sense of the band on stage just being fully comfortable. And that second set felt like something that does not happen four or five shows into a tour, let alone four or five shows into your first tour in 18 to 20 months. Um, I love this version and it's going to end up going into the sweet 16 for me. Hmm. Yeah, this was a tough matchup for me, but ultimately I did have to go with the split open and melt. I don't know if I have a lot of very uh, like specific insights to offer, but kind of a macro idea is that nothing makes me happier than when split finishes a set and it's already been a pretty successful set and we're not employing split open and melt as like a set saving kind of maneuver, which happened a lot in 99 and 2000, well, maybe not necessarily 2000, but it did happen often in 1999. So I love when we can play split open and melt from like a, a, a position of it's strength. Cherry. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like after this set phenomenal show early in the tour, uh, you know, there was no pressure. So they were able to explore and kind of get out there. Yeah, and I, I think both of the versions that Brian mentioned, the Vegas and MSG 2018, both of those are also kind of a, this set's already been awesome, but we're going to drop an incredible split open and melt on you as well. Um, got to, you know, got to slide my fall 2018 love in there. Um, okay, next matchup, we've got the Alpharetta Chalk Dust at a three seed up against the Deer Creek Sand at a 14 seed. Um, this sand is great. Um, you know, sand really had a great year. Um, you know, obviously I think there are better versions than this deer Creek one. Um, but I'm really happy that sand is back, uh, at jam vehicle status. Um, as of now, you know, it was kind of relegated to, uh, hot type one set closer for a bunch of years. Um, but I'm really glad to see 
um, all these great versions kind of stretching their legs more uh, this year. But the, this chalk dust, again, as I mentioned before, uh, the second of three huge opening weekend jams. Um, great, but again, it's 25 minutes of um, charging groove synths, new tones. You know, this is what we are this year. Sci-Fi Soldier, you know, establishing in July. Yeah, I went chalk dust. Um, I love the sand. I, I don't know if I think it belongs on this bracket. I, I as I'm looking through this, one jam that I'm pretty sure is not on here that should be is the Forum Bathtub Gin, which was a yes. encore version that went into an incredibly cool territory and they did not return to gin because I think they were literally at curfew. Mm-hmm. And it has this very, very cool closing segment to it. But um this was no uh, really no competition. The Choctaw's Torture is where it reminds me of the 9-3 version in some cases where there's really no peak. There's not a ton of direction. It's just the band jamming. And you know what, man? I liked listening to Fish Jam and it just kind of sounds like they're playing in a sound check, not in front of anyone and they don't really have any hurry of getting anywhere. And it's not something I'm going to put on for like a specific vibe I'm going back to. But when listening back to it, I was just like, this is this is the band just kind of exploring kind of where the other guys are and just talking to each other. And I, I love that sometimes. Yeah, I would totally agree for me that Chalk Dust easily moves along. This was the second big jam of tour. Uh, just a lot of feel-good energy. We get the tray sort of Jedi tone uh, at the end of the jam. Like you said, Ryan, just kind of setting the stage for what the uh, sort of overall vibe was for the rest of the year. So yeah, Chalk Dust, no question. Yeah, and and this Chalk Dust did also give the us um, probably my favorite gif ever of Trey turning to Fishman and making that hand motion like, <laughs> we're going out of here. And that was that was another one of those just like the first weekend of tour where yeah. there were so many, wow, they are just feeling it. Like it does not matter. Like they're not, they're not paying attention to these other songs we have to play. This, this is like the set time we have to like work through. It was just kind of like that, that, that gift kind of summarized early on the band is just feeling experimental and that's a good, that was a good vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think the Karini ends up being my favorite of the three, uh, opening weekend jams. Um, yeah, but yeah, this is great as well. Uh, next matchup, we've got the, if six was nine, uh, from Vegas at a seven seed up against the Dick Sigma Oasis at a 10 seed. Um, the, if six was nine is awesome because it's a cool debut Hendrix cover that they jammed out. But I think for a lot of it, it's a, kind of disjointed um you know the band seems like a little bit out of step um and this sigma oasis you know coming out of another great sand um you know the first time it jammed out um i really hope we see it jam out again uh but gets really nice and dark and has an awesome segue into all of these dreams um i really i just i really like the way the sigma uh, happened and I have that one advancing. I think this is my first big upset of the bracket. Um, but yeah, this is another upset for me. Um, I'm right on the same page with you. I, I, I have a lot of attendance bias here. Nine five is one of my favorite fish shows I've ever seen. Um, when this Sigma Oasis started, it was a song I'd been hoping to hear in that first run back. 
I do not subscribe to the notion that the band should be telling the, the band should not be telling us to take off our masks. I think it's metaphorical. It's a goddamn song lyric. Sorry, I don't know if we can swear on this podcast. <laughs> we we can swear know. on the podcast. It's it's okay. <laughs> it's a song lyric and it's more of a vibe than telling you to you know, actually take off your mask if you are uncomfortable taking off your mask mm-hmm. in a fish show. Um, it's such a great fish song and have it jam in that first performance I saw live was really special. I think it's a great jam that holds up. I think you're absolutely right. It's super creative the way that it goes in all these dreams. If six was nine, you know, I think sometimes, and I definitely think this about the numbers show, Sometimes on these gimmick shows, the band throws everything in a set one. And it's like one of those moments where you walk away feeling exhausted at the end of set one, almost to the point that you could just go home. Like that was just like, that was the set. That's the show. Uh, I liked elements of speaking of the seven below that we talked about in the last region. I liked elements of the second set of the numbers show. If six was nine to me, I honestly had forgotten it jammed and I went back and listened to it. I had very similar feelings to you, Ryan. So, uh, Sigma Oasis upset, but is it really, isn't this just kind of like a mid Atlantic, like a mid major team that is ranked as a 10 seed, but actually like they're better than, you know, uh, this sec team they're up against in the, in the first round of March madness. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? I don't know what that means, but I assume it's sports. This is sports. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I went with if six was nine, but it was a close call. I have to say that the last Dick's night was my favorite night of the run. Phenomenal show that was just strong from start to finish in each set. Uh, If six was nine, I, I was at both of these shows, so it's not attendance bias. I have to admit that for the first minute, I was like, wait, is this Hendrix or is or is this uh, Ozzy Osbourne? And I, I, this was the one time I think during the whole year that I had to look up on my phone and like remind myself, but a, a close call. I could definitely see it going either way. Um, but yeah, I, I rolled with if six was nine, but uh, it didn't get too much farther than that. And if you can argue that there's a fish lyric that says take off your mask and that's why you shouldn't have to wear a mask. Well, you're in like the 90% of people who weren't wearing masks at the Vegas run. So shout out to you <laughs> jabronis, but uh, come on, grow up. Jabronis is a good term. Uh, and the last matchup of the region, we've got the Alpharetta. Everything's right up against the Eugene Ruby waves. It's 15 seed against a two seed. Um, you know, Ruby Waves obviously takes this matchup for me. It's 30 minutes. It's incredible. Um, you know, I think it, it's gotten a little bit underrated, I think, just because of, again, how saturated 2021 was with absolutely all-time jams. Um, but this Everything's Right has definitely gotten lost uh, in the flow of the year, and I'm happy it made the bracket. Um, you know, this was um, part of that uh, that it was the third show of the tour, but got this everything's right. Has some great synth in it. Um, you know, I just think it, it's a great tone setter for where everything's right would go uh, in the rest of the year. And, you know, we'll talk about those versions in a little while. I really love these first set. Everything's right. That move into a major key and jam. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really great, 
just like space and tone for for that song. But I don't think it belongs on the bracket. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into it, but I just don't think it belongs on the bracket. I went Ruby Waves, and Ruby Waves will be the representative from this uh, quadrant, uh, this region, if you will, for me. This is one of my favorite, if not my favorite jam of, well, I would say it's my second favorite jam of the fall. Um, there were moments during the fall tour where I thought it was the best jam of the year. It will ultimately lose to what I think is the best jam of the year, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Spoiler alert. Um, I love this. I I love how psychedelic it gets. I love how it, it feels like a mirror image of the San Francisco seven below, just in the sense that they're in no rush. Trey comes upon these riffs, but it's, it's that last five or six minutes that just gets so bizarre Mm -hmm. that, I love this Ruby waves and yeah, everything's right. Had no, no chance. And there were some tough matchups down the, down the way, but I kind of knew going in this Ruby waves was going to finish pretty, pretty high up for me. And I went with Ruby waves. It was an easy choice. Uh, And I also noticed the, like the last five minutes of this Ruby waves jam, uh, how things really kind of get out there to me. I, I didn't, end up taking this as far, Brian, as you did. It feels like a lot of Trey and a lot of Paige, but not quite as much Mike. And Fishman is just kind of doing his steady, phenomenal self the whole time. Um, But is Mike teasing like everything or another one bites the dust at the end of this? That's the vibe I get for the last five or six minutes. Yeah. 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 But uh, great, great jam. So yeah, it was, it was an easy, easy uh, out of the first round move for Ruby Waves. Yeah, then Ruby Waves does uh, make it to the final four for me out of this region too. Um, really, really tough decision between it and the Dix Carini and the Elite Eight. Um, but I, I ultimately went with Ruby Waves. What about you, Justin? I went with the Carini, actually. Uh, the Ruby Waves was kind of neck and neck with the... Uh, with the Alpharetta Night One Chalk Dust for me, I had you know I've mentioned I scored these one to ten. Both the Ruby Waves and the Chalk Dust got a, a seven for me, whereas the Carini got an eight. So for me, it was the Carini from Dick's Night One that closed set one uh, that uh, that got to the final four out of this bracket. There we go. And shout out to people uh, who are listening uh, who have made it this far. We're halfway. Moving into the bottom right-hand bracket, uh, we've got the one-seed Shoreline Soul Planet up against the 16-seed Vegas Sand. One, two, motherfucker, three. Um, <laughs> that's one of my favorite Trey moments of the whole year. Uh, I, I love that he did that. Um, but obviously Soul Planet wins. It's, it's 47 minutes. It's incredible. That's it's it. one of the best jams I've ever played. Yeah. It is... Third longest ever. Third longest ever. I mean, you just pick five minutes here, six minutes there, two minutes here, whatever. Like there's so much creativity happening. There's the false ending or the false return around 22 minutes where they could go back into Soul Planet. They could go into and light then again, at some point. Around 30 minutes in. Yeah. And Scott Mark said something uh, when we did our Dick's live uh, event one of the things that makes it so brilliant is it, it may be one of those jams that 30, you know, it's a fa- fascinating until 30 minutes, but then Fishman starts doing this like otherworldly drum beats. And the last 17 minutes of the jam might be the best part of the entire jam. And I'm mm-hmm. convinced 
they could, they, I, I was totally cool with the segue into the final hurrah. What a I great, great moment there. But I was convinced, and I'm convinced every time I listen back, that they're not actually going into a song. They just kind of found it. That's a jam that could have gone 90 minutes and had no lulls. They were just so on. Every new idea was was brilliant. It is, um, it is only losing in this bracket, this region, because my favorite jam of the year faces up against it later. We'll get to it. But this is a brilliant, brilliant jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a monster for me. This ends up winning uh, this this quadrant of the bracket, uh, and I agree. It could have petered out at like whatever it was twenty two minutes, thirty minutes. It did not. This uh, kind of reminded me of the Deer Creek Simple in that it just has an outward trajectory that they sort of boldly follow along without much of a plan of how we're going to get back home and how we're going to return to form. Uh, not a, not a lull hardly at all throughout the entire jam. So yeah, for me, it was, it was easy to go with the shoreline soul planet. It's one of the best jams of the year for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's that moment, you know, kind of in the middle where page, plays his organ in a in a deep jam for seemingly the first time uh in 2021 which i i think yeah (laughs) and then which he would go on to rediscover that he had a hammond organ in his rig uh over the fall um (laughs) next up we've got the eight seed uh the nikyu nikyu the chula nikyu uh up against the nine seed dick set your soul free um i desperately wanted to go with the attendance bias nikyu pick here um you know, that was such a fun moment, like coming out of that jammed out fluff head, uh, being into the NICU that we all figured was coming because of the venue. Um, and then jamming it the way that they did was so great. Um, but after listening to it, this was one that, you know, I did an initial pass of the bracket. I was not able to answer this matchup uh, on my first pass. Um, but I ultimately went with the Set Your Soul. That one's a really cool, uh, darker jam. Uh, kind of hits upon some themes that kind of foreshadow the simple catapult that would come later in the set. Um, there's a little bit that kind of like Trey's like weird looping of his bass synth laser frog effect. Like it's it's really really great. It's almost 20 minutes. I think this one has also gotten lost, uh, especially because of what comes later in that set. Um, yeah. But it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I have attendance bias for both of these, and I love both these jams for very different reasons. I ultimately went with the NICU. Um, the jam, kind of the shock value of it, just just hits me a little bit harder. Uh, there's a similar Dix jam to this Set Your Soul Free that we're going to talk about here in a little bit that um, overwhelmingly uh, won in its, in its early matchups. I love the Set Your Soul Free. I just... And eight, this is a true eight, nine matchup to me. I, although I do think the set your soul free could be ranked a bit higher. This is just one of those matchups of two great, great jams that were pivotal moments in their shows that it's really hard to pick a winner. I ultimately went with the NICU though. Yeah. This is one of the only sort of first round matchups that I, to be honest, kind of glossed over a little bit, but I think I went with NICU just for the uh, novelty of it all. Um, so 
whatever whatever comes out of this first round is going to get slaughtered when it goes up against Soul Planet. So exactly, it's yeah. kind of all, all for naught. I, I think the, the one seeds are just so strong that the eight, nine matchups are kind of a foregone conclusion once they get a little bit just, further. Just happy to be here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, we've got the Eugene down with disease at a five seed up against the Vegas 20 years later at a 12 seed. Um, this disease to me, you know, show opening 25 minute jam. Um, I really, really enjoy it. Um, I think the band is not in any hurry to go anywhere um, in this jam. Um, you know, there's nothing crazy, remarkable or unique about it. Um, but it's again, it's a 25 minute jam. It's great. And again, just very relaxed. There's some nice, nice mountain jam teasing in it. Like I just, it's an enjoyable jam and it, it wins this matchup for me. This is thus far my biggest upset. Mm-hmm. Just double checking. This is a 12 seat upset. Um, I love this down with disease. And I remember when this happened, it was another one of those. You kept waiting for the letdown show of fall yeah, tour. Right. You know, and this 1019 show overall, I think is the letdown show of the tour, but they open with a 26 minute down with disease. And I remember tweeting something that I want to go back in time to like 2009 to 2011 fish when there were no jams. It didn't matter where, I mean, there were jams, but like, it didn't matter where you were at. There weren't these 26, 30 minute long jams just happening show to show. Yeah. And I want to go back and tell like 2010 me, everything's going to be okay because in 11 years, you're going to be in the middle of a pandemic and fish is going to open a show with a 26 minute down with disease. And it's going to be unremarkable. (laughs) And it's going to be unremarkable. Um, I love the disease. The 20 years later though, I, I was talking with a friend afterwards who I see a lot of fish with. He was at the show. I was at home and he went back and listened to this and he was like, that was one of the most impactful live moments I've ever experienced. And when I went back and listened to it, I think he's right. It, it just, it punches you in the face. Brian, over and we over lost again. you. Uh, your connection got a little bit broken. Can you hear me now? Nope. No. Oh, there oh, you there are. There you go. They're back. There I am. Okay. Right, where did um, you lose me? I'll, we I'll lost repeat. you at that was one of. Oh, okay. Um, a friend of mine was at the show. I was not. And he texted me afterwards and said it was one of the most impactful live moments he's ever experienced with fish. And he's seen around 40 or 50 shows. I went back and listened to it afterwards. And I went back and listened to it here against this disease. Cause it was one of those matchups. I felt like I needed to hear one, one against the other. This 20 years later just bowls me over. It's one of my favorite versions of 20 years later for a band that has in recent years jammed 20 years later in an incredible way. Um, I think it's worthy of an upset here. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, dude. I am going to give the edge to 20 go. years later. All right. uh, I was at, at the numbers show. And I think this, other than the, the noisy start to 2001 as the show got going, I think the 20 years later was my favorite jam of the first set. Uh, I really like the down with disease. Uh, it's got a lot of kind of classic elements. Um, the band is hooked up. Like Ryan said, the mountain jam, almond brother licks as the jam gets going are nice. Jedi Trey Womp Womp territory. It's uplifting, feels good. Trey and Paige are hooked up on the cool little descending pattern in the Down with Disease, uh, which which I really, really liked. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going with more uh, emotion, uh, more heart than head here, going with 20 years later. All right. 
Next matchup, we've got the San Francisco Chalk Dust at a four seed um, and the Deer Creek Stash at a 13 seed. Um, this Chalk Dust is, you know, more of a standout than I remember it being, I think. Uh, you know, coming from that, again, that four song second set, um, which is the first one since 2004, if you don't count 12, 30, 19 with the uh, reprises of Tweezer and uh, uh, Ruby. Did they reprise Ruby Waves too? That's what it was. Yeah, they reprised yeah. everything. Um, and uh, but this this chalk dust is just super celebratory, like fantastic peak to close the set. Um, I really really like this jam, uh, and as great as the stash is, you know, it just doesn't it just doesn't have the 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 quantity of jam uh, to match up to this great chalk dust. Yeah, I think this chalk dust is in it. It's with some of the. Excuse me. <clears throat> I think this Choctus is one of the most underrated and overlooked jams of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really hard to have that happen to a 23 minute set closing jam. But I think that embarrassment of riches uh, definitely impacted this. Um, there's a moment around 19 minutes where Trey is playing faster than I feel like he has in seven or eight years. Uh, I love this stash. It was a great moment in that first set of the second night of Deer Creek, but chalk dust. Yeah, for me, it's chalk dust. Also love the stash. One of my favorite fish songs of all time is stash, but it's definitely the chalk dust. I love how Fishman kind of kicks things into high gear and elevates Trey into like clean anthemic territory to finish this chalk dust jam. Uh, and Paige is rock solid classic sounding just on piano to wrap things up. So chalk dust uh, pretty easily. Yeah. And I think this is my favorite chalk dust of the year uh, over Dix and Alpharetta. Yeah, it's mine. And I just want to point out, this is uh this is your sneaky Cinderella story going into it's, it's a four seed. So it's hard to be a Cinderella story, <laughs> but it's going into the sweet 16. I don't think that it's, that it's a jam that many people would pick into their sweet 16 depending on where you I go with the well. Dallin disease, but you yeah. have it in there as well. Yeah. Okay. Justin, what about you? Uh, wait, so you guys are saying, and hold on. Oh wait, I'm looking ahead to the elite eight. Yeah. yeah, I, mean, yeah I have it. 16. Yeah. 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 I have it in the sweet 16. All right. I just feel like it's the one jam that nobody talks about. That's in the sweet 16. Like yeah. we're all admitting that it's kind of overlooked even for a four seed and it, Maybe it's a matchup thing, but it definitely it makes it to that final that that round of sixteen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, next, we've got uh, the Atlantic City Tweezer at a six seed up against the Hershey Ruby Waves at an eleven seed. I absolutely adore the Atlantic City Tweezer. Um, I love it. Uh, it was my number twenty uh, overall uh, rank jam. Um, that first minute or two of the jam. Um, I think is the closest I've heard to 1999 fish um, outside of like 1999. Like the way Trey's doing his loops and the rest of the band's just sitting in the groove. Um, Such a great spacey segment. And then the major key jam they get into is just so pleasing. Um, And then the return to tweezer at the end is smooth. I love it. Um, You know, it's unfortunate that in the second round, it goes up against, uh, one of my absolute favorite jams of the year. Um, but I would love to, you know, I would have loved to see it go further uh, in a different corner of the bracket. So for the purposes of time, I'm not going to get super into this, but I feel like we could table this conversation for a really good podcast. Um, I did not get 
outside of the moment that you're talking about, mm-hmm. I did not get the Atlantic City tweezer when it happened. And I did not get it in the weeks after. And I heard so many credible voices like yourself, a uh, few other people talking about how it was one of their favorite gems of the entire year. I've listened back. I get it now. The first that the first segment, it's so quiet, it's so patient, it's unbelievable. But I ultimately went with the Ruby Waves here. The riff that Trey plays midway through the Ruby Waves jam was one of my favorite moments of summer tour, the way that he distorts that. At one point, this was my second favorite jam of the entire summer. This was then surpassed, but it's still very much up there. Some of my favorite music played throughout the entire year. This was an upset for me, but a very well-earned upset. I love this Ruby Waves, and um, I feel like I need to continue giving more chances to this Atlantic City Tweezer, but the Ruby Waves won for me. I'm kind of right there with you. I went Ruby Waves. The Tweezer, I mean, the fact that 40,000 people or whatever it was were were on the beach, I feel like, amplifies right. the run, which was solid. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was a solid run, but it didn't. I've listened to it a handful of times and yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't quite have that cohesiveness uh, that, that strikes my ears. So for, for me, it was the Ruby waves. But to me, that Ruby waves reminds me a lot of fall 2018. Um, you know, there's, there's kind of that kind that. of vibe to it. Um, but it, it just, it reminded me of that when I was listening to it uh, a little while ago. Uh, next up, we've got the Dicks Everything's Right at a three seed um, and the Gorge Mr. Completely at a 14 seed. Um, this is, um, I had this ranked number five overall, the Dicks Everything's Right. Um, I absolutely adore this jam. Um, it, it, it's just, it's incredible. Uh, it's my favorite version of Everything's Right uh, ever, despite the fact that I was at, uh, I believe, the longest one ever in Phoenix. Um, but it's just, it's great. The synth tones that they get and the, the jam spaces that they get into Fishman is just absolutely insane as he always is, but you know, really stands out in this jam. Um, I have it very narrowly losing to the, uh, shoreline soul planet to make the final four, uh, out of this region. But, um, you know, it, it's awesome bold yeah yeah this i don't know man i love this jam so much um what i was talking about with the alpharetta choctus torture where it's like they're just not in any hurry it's that but it's thematic based around this kind of jazzy space funk shoegaze vibe that is right in the zone of what i want to hear fish play Mm-hmm. Um, there's no peak, but then there's that weird peak around 21 minutes where they're just hooked up on this groove and it just builds and builds and builds before it's released, but it's not a rock peak. There's no attempt at bliss. I remember at one point just watching the lights, just scan around dicks and the music that was playing. And I was just thinking like the perception around fish is so wrong in mainstream culture. You know, you get this sense of like, we're all just happy hippies dancing to whatever the band is playing. And here they are on a Saturday night opening up their second set at, you know, their capstone run of the summer with this just kind of challenging, weird, bizarre music. And I was so happy in that moment. And every time I listen back to it, this jam takes me back to that place. The only problem 
is where it's placed here in this region because it's going to lose in the Sweet 16 to my ultimate winner of the overall bracket. Um, I wish that this was a one or two seed somewhere else. I think it absolutely deserves it. Uh, This is just... When you think about the creativity, the risk-taking, the openness to just jamming that came with 2021 there are few gems that are better embodied of that vibe than this. Everything's right. I love the fact that this everything's right, you know, has a great blend of Trey and page and with page it's his synths and it's brooding as so much of the sound was in 2021, but it's also buoyant and it's not weighed down. It's not heavy. There's like a bit of an uplifting vibe. It brightens, but not on a dime. It happens gradually as the jam progresses. And my favorite thing about this jam, which I had going to the Elite Eight, uh, my favorite thing is Mike. He is just a man on a mission and he shines throughout the whole jam. And when I think about sort of my contrarian fish takes, usually it has something to do with jams where Mike is kind of a featured player and has really got a little extra oomph going. So for me, yeah, this is one of the highest scoring jams of the whole year, even though it didn't uh, get out of this region for me. One of my favorites of the whole year. Yeah. And and I do want to give a brief mention to the Mr. Completely uh, that it's up against uh, because it's a great Mr. Completely. Um, I realized none of the three of us none of talked us about it, it because we're gushing over the everything's right. Um, but this Mr. Completely was great. Um, I think this also has Mountain Jam uh, yeah. in it. That cropped up a lot this year. And I mean, I really like that riff, so I'm not complaining. Um, but this Mr. Completely segued into Meat, right? Yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah. I remember webcasting and the segue coming out of nowhere and being perfect. And I just yeah. want to point that out because there were it's a lot of, a of forgotten cool segues. Set. Yeah, but it's a great set. Uh, still, it is a really good set. But I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that us not mentioning it at all is kind of telling on <laughs> on a number of levels here. Yes. In that sense, yes. Next I match. Hate- oh, yeah. I was uh, just a random uh, random thought here. I want to go to the gorge. It looks incredible. I feel like the gorge <laughs> musically uh, has not over delivered since what, like 97, 98. 98, whatever year that, yeah, the crazy mics, 2001. Yeah. Mics was. 7, 17, 98. It's one of my spicier fish takes is, is I, I don't, I don't know what it was, but maybe it's fall 99 bias. Maybe it's just what's happened the last few years. I love it looks amazing. I want to go. It, it, I'm sure it's an incredible time, but I feel like sometimes the scenery perhaps like outweighs what actually remains as far as like keeper jams. Yeah, you know, I think I think this year or last year's the 2021 was like the best gorge run we've had in a while. You know, 2018 had that really incredible chalk dust uh, and great simple on the first night, and the third night was an incredible show. Um, but otherwise, you know, the run is a bit more lackluster. I think 2021s is just much more consistent um, across the board, but still got some great high points, which we'll get to my favorite of the weekend uh, in the last region. Mm. Um, okay. Next matchup. Uh, we've got the shoreline cities at a seven seed up against the Chula tube at a 10 seed. I have the upset here. Definitely a little bit of attendance bias, um, but I absolutely love this tube. 
Um, it's my favorite tube of all time now. Um, you know, only a little bit because I was there. Um, but I, I love tubes. One of my favorite fish songs. Um, I was so happy to see it get jammed out the way that it, uh, got jammed out here. Um, I think, you know, pages since fit so well. I believe there are Nick teases, uh, in here, which I do want to mention, um, a lot of times historically, especially in the modern era, if Trey decides that he's going to tease a song for a whole show, um, you know, especially with a riff kind of as complicated as Nikki's is um, and long, uh, you know, he'll kind of stumble over playing it in a different key or kind of, you know, make it seem disjointed. But throughout this whole Chula show, um, you know, he either played the riff perfectly or when he got lost in the middle of it, he didn't try to brute force his way through it. He would just, you know, jam. You know, he would just go back to whatever he was playing in the jam. So I, that's something I really liked about this show, uh, you know, in addition to me being there. But, um, yeah, this is uh, my favorite tube. Uh, and it's not the last upset we'll see from on my bracket from Chula. I went with tube as well. It's potentially attendance bias. I did listen back to these just to make sure I what my ears were hearing the right things. Um, <clears throat> I was, well, to your point about the NICU teases, I, I was joking with people I was, I was hanging out with prior to the show that Trey's so cheeky and so cheesy that he is going to just play in the NICU riff throughout the entire show. Oh yeah. And I thought it was going to be in a very obvious way. And to your point, you broke it down perfectly. Like he strung it through the show in a way that was somehow subtle and fit all of the jams in such a really cool way. And it does it here in this tube. Um, I was on the rail for the show, as I've said, but I, I did not look back behind me at all at this point in the show. So we'd gone through a 17 minute fluff at a 17 minute ICU, a bye-bye foot. And now we go into tube. And at one point I was like, is this as good of a show as I think it is? Or am I just right, right. in front of the band and that's making it happen? And I turn around and I look behind me and like, it looked as though the stadium was like, or that the arena was like off its axis, the way that the lights were hitting it and the way that the music was playing. And I just saw every single person in the venue moving. And I was like, okay, they're all getting it too. This is, this is as good as I think it is. And I turned back to the stage and finished out the jam. Tube is one of my favorite fish songs ever. It took me so long to see my first version and now I feel like I see it every four or five shows. And every time I hear it, it's got that great mix of Fishman lyrics. It's really weird and funky. And you get jams like this that are just shocking. Yeah. Tube has always been a favorite. Cities has always been a favorite song of mine. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I was Cities crazy in the first several years of my, of my fish fandom. Um, I remember being like a little underwhelmed by the Cities in this fantastic shoreline show i'm gonna go with tube anytime you can weave uh weave a theme like nicu throughout a show and not have it get clunky that's that's a sign that that things are going in the right direction so tube for me definitely and you know i mean this cities is an awesome bliss jam has an incredible segue into passing through too um but again another point about tube you know at my first show i saw um tube it was in 2012 so the tube was three minutes it was basically just a page clav <laughs> solo um i enjoyed it at the time and then at my ninth show um i saw my favorite tube ever um and so i'm you know those are the two tubes that i've seen just kind of very, very often ends of the spectrum 
I was at that Hershey 2000 show. I forget, 915, I think yeah. it was. And that was like the, that was my third show. I didn't know what was going on, but that it's was the first too. show that I was close, uh, like real close. Cause it was GA at Hershey. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I've heard what is arguably one of the best tubes, probably 1 million probably times, yeah. 1 million times. And, and, you know, the fact that this tube gets my attention, I think is a good sign. Yeah. All right. In the last matchup of the region, uh, we've got uh, representing Arkansas on the bracket. We've got the Simple from July 28th at a 15 seed up against uh, the Deer Creek Blazon at a two seed. I know Brian has a lot to say about this Deer Creek Blazon. Um, it's awesome. Very happy and joyful. Um, you know, again, great yin yang with the Simple uh, that comes later in the set. Um, but I, I do have it losing to the Everything's Right uh, from Dix in the Sweet 16, um, which then loses in a very tough matchup against the Soul Planet uh, in the Elite Eight. Um, but this Blazon is, uh, it's amazing. You know, I, I, I sound like a broken record because I keep saying that, but so many of these jams are just truly amazing. Well, we are talking about the best jams of the year, so you are going to consistently come yes. back to gushing about them. Um, yeah, I love this Blazon. It will represent this region for me. Um, I want to just say a quick word about the Simple. It's often overlooked. Mm -hmm. Justin said it earlier. There was a lot of weird, nonsensical controversy around the Arkansas show for a variety of reasons. This simple was the moment where we heard the first sounds of summer 2021 and by default, the first sounds of sci-fi soldiers like to our ears. And I think that the way that they played that simple in the second song of the second set charted the way forward for the summer. They were clearly thinking in a direction and they went there and it was successful. And it was part of the reason I think why we heard so many great jams in that first weekend. And then from there, they're just on their, on their tracks. Um, this Friday night Deer Creek show is one of the most special shows of the overall year. I have two jams from it in my final four. Mm -hmm. This plays on to me though. There's a moment around 16 minutes in where they lock in and Trey goes an octave up and hits this peaking chord riff. And it's like they're writing the song live in the moment. It may be my favorite moment of the entire year of an incredible year of fish. So uh, this, this wins very easily. And then, has some very difficult matchups against everything's right and soul planet that I think it ultimately wins. Wow. And I ended up following a similar trajectory to Ryan. Um, simple is great. I, I remember when the tour was starting, I was on vacation in Idaho with my family and I was mountain biking, listening to this show, like in the middle of like a four or five mile climb up a logging road, like literally, okay, you just got to hunker down and you've, you've got to work hard for the next four or five miles. Um, but I was listening to this show and it was, you know, kind of what I was hoping the first show would be like. I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't shocked, but I was pleased. Um, that said, the Blazon, uh, when Ryan and I talked about our favorite jams of the summer, I had the Blazon edging the simple from Deer Creek as the best jam of that show. But then in retrospect, I kind of, I, I do give the edge to the simple, but love the Blazon jam, super democratic, uh, very uplifting. Uh, Mike is is really doing a lot of work and kind of anchoring things and fish and tray, kind of bring things home with the Bliss Jam, as Brian mentioned. But yeah, for me, the Blazon wins. Uh, I had to give the edge to the Everything's Right. 
then I had the Soul Planet edging out the everything's right. So that same was what me. I had. Yeah, same same idea coming out of this uh, half Nelson region of the bracket. Yes, we we did name the four regions after the four sci-fi soldier characters. I just don't I don't have that bracket in front of me, so I'm not reading. That. <laughs> um, uh, okay, and then on to our final region. Which what, what's the bottom left one called, Justin? This is a uh, Pat Malone, and Pat I'm a weird Malone. enough guy that when I walked into Halloween night and got my comic book, I I was like, I'm not going to read this. I don't want to be surprised. I, I I just want it all fresh on my ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then when I, I was like reading it after they played that second set during the second set break, and like, oh my god, this is this is really an incredible next level of detail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like taking the nerdery up a notch. But yeah, Wait. to the Pat Malone bracket we go. All right. Uh, so we have my number two uh, overall uh, jam, the Shoreline Tweezer, up against uh, the 16 seed uh, San Francisco Steam. This Steam is no slouch. I think it should be a uh, 14 or 15 seed at the very least. Um, but it is, it's a it's a great jam. Lots of great page synth uh, in it. But this Shoreline Tweezer, another one of those, you know, 35-minute jams that we had this year, which is crazy that I'm saying something like another one of those 35-minute jams, um, which is just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but it's great. Very um, major key dominant. But then you have that split open and melt jam towards the end, which is awesome, like dark and twisted. Um, and it's great. You know, Tweezer had one hell of a year. Especially after 2019, up until MSG, where it you know didn't yeah. really do much. Yeah, I went Tweezer. Um, there's a moment I was watching the show. My friends had just gotten to town for dicks. My wife was watching the show, and there's a moment around 26 minutes where Trey just plays this riff over and over and over again, and he doesn't really distort it. He just, he perfects it. And you can just watch him so focused watching himself play this riff. And my wife was just like, wow, this is some of the most like beautiful and clear tray that I feel like I've heard in years. And it really spoke to how much he clearly practiced coming into this year, which impacted this year in a way that I don't think it would have been had he not. Um, This will ultimately lose in the elite eight for me. But it's it just does such a great job of modulating from this major key bliss while being unique without just going for like a full rock peak and then transitioning into this dark jam that gives us yet another 30 plus minute jam and really showcased how special and how much they were putting into the overall shoreline run. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this happened after, you know, night one's humongous grand slam right. of a soul planet is pretty impressive for me the notable thing on top of what you guys have said about this tweezer is how in the in the end of it it follows it just looks forward and keeps going and going and it doesn't really come home to anything it does kind of peter out but uh, I, I just i like that they're not necessarily like trying to always get into the next thing it's like the anti-rip cord so yeah, for me, Tweezer, and I have Tweezer moving along also into the uh, into the Elite Eight of this bracket. It's a really good Tweezer. I ha- See, it, it was my number two overall jam. I have it making the final four, but it unfortunately encounters my number one overall jam there, so 
<laughs> doesn't, doesn't make the finals. Um, next matchup, we've got uh, the eight at an eight seed, the Vegas 2001 up against the Chula Free at a nine seed. This was the other Chula upset uh, I mentioned. I have Free winning here. Um, you know, this 2001 is easily the best 2001 since 1.0, I think. Um, you know, there's a couple of versions that maybe uh, can come close, but it's got that, you know, couple of minutes of weird crazy intro um i will keep saying that trey teases the game of thrones theme um he kind of plays the bump bump it's like it's it's almost <laughs> the game of thrones theme um but i remember i think at the same time of everyone else absolutely losing their minds uh on twitter at the beginning of the show when they you know walked on stage and started into this weird loop synth yeah, you know Hayes are like they're doing the intro to 2001. Oh my god! <laughs> and then yeah, just a, a very diverse 2001 jam, uh, nice and extended. Um, but this free, you know, in the moment, um, you know, I think on my mind when when they dropped into free out of no men uh, in the second set at Chula was um, in Sacramento the week before when they did the same thing and it was a six minute free, um, and I was so so happy. Um, the way the jam went, you know, just Paige absolutely leading it on the roads, um, gets into this really nice laid back space. And it's, it's my favorite free ever as well. I think the, the, you know, the Piper stands out on its own, but I think the tube and the free I have on the same kind of level as 15 minute renditions that are just absolutely incredible. I went free here as well. Um, I think that this is three examples of attendance bias in this um, region for me, uh, which which should potentially give you a hint of what's to come for some of my picks. But, um, you know, I love this version of Free. I think it's one of the best versions that they've played, if not the best version since the 90s. Um, it has moments that kind of remind me of uh, the 626.95 version, which is perhaps my favorite version of Free ever. Um, I think ultimately, you know, when you think about these songs in terms of where they're placed, the 2001 does such a great job of setting the tone for what's to come with the Vegas run. And I don't think that them opening up with just like a standard song would have, you know, led to just like the excitement right out the gates of that Vegas run, which really defined the wait, how much better can they get? It's the first song of the entire run. And they Mm -hmm. would have these moments where they'd keep building it up. But I think ultimately this free, um, you have moments in shows that are really like crossroads. Uh, they could go in one direction or another and they've played a great first set. They played a pretty solid no men to open up the second set. I don't think it was one of the better versions that they've ever played, but it was solid. It was 16 minutes and then they go into free. And I remember thinking at the time, like, I wonder if they're out of ideas or out of a bit of energy. And I kind of figured the set was just going to you know, move into kind of a standard second set that doesn't really surprise you in any way. And when they figured out a way to jam out free, I knew that there was endless creativity. And without this, I don't think you get the Piper. Um, I don't think you get the sense and subtle sounds with intro. It's just one of those crossroads moments in a set. Uh, It does not beat out the tweezer for me for very obvious reasons, but it's (laughs) it's a great free. I went with, this is one instance where I will just cite attendance bias. I went with the 2001. The free is great. Uh, I, I do want to head nod. I think it's December 15th, 1999 as a really great free. Oh, yeah. 
uh, if you, if you like Big Cypress, uh, you'll you'll really like this uh, December fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine show because it's a vibe. Uh, I've also listened to lots of Freeze going through Summer ninety five in the last like month or so. Um, but yeah, I went two thousand one just because damn it was exciting hearing like the three minutes of just noisy intro and being like, oh god, this is the first song of the first set, and we've got four you know four <laughs> nights of this, and I'm like watching my favorite band in the world 15 minutes from my house so 2001 vegas for me yeah um doing a good job selling us on moving to vegas as well just for like the geographical the the home the hometown minutes away from this kind of 2001 yeah it's unbelievable it's it's it's, it's why i live in denver though so (laughs) it's why i live in toronto oh wait (laughs) <laughs> yeah no vegas is great every other year when i get to see fish shows but uh <laughs> when when yeah when you're seeing little shows and little theaters in denver i'm i'm very very jealous yeah denver's a good spot for that okay next matchup this is a tough one uh that you know the seating doesn't make it look tough but it's it's tough uh we've got the gorge camel walk at a five seed and the dicks simple catapult at a 12 seed uh we did break the uh no segues rule uh just for this because <laughs> catapult isn't really a song in itself it's just some lyrics sung over, sung over the jam so we decided to keep them together for this i go camel walk here um you know i could have gone simple uh catapult on a coin flip um but the camel walk to me is a really unique jam. Uh, there's some really cool stuff. Um, you know, Mike's really doing some crazy stuff in this jam. Uh, just the other day, it really struck me as unique and jamming out camel walk like this is really, really cool. But of course this, um, you know, the Dick's machine jam, like Trey on that, like dialing the phone effect, um, you know, those crazy quotes and, you know, what would come in the meat stick after, like, that's just, it's just fun and awesome and fun. <laughs> yeah. I think I went complete attendance bias here. I love the camel walk. I adore expecting that from both of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I adore the camel walk. I adore all of 827. I will stand that show till the end of time. I, I don't understand any of the complaints that came out for that show based on pace, based on song selection. I thought it was a total vibe and one of my favorite shows of the entire year. I also think this simple catapult is ranked way too low. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, this is a six seed at worst. It's um, really creative. And there is a moment when they're playing this groove that's so hypnotic that I just remember looking around the entire venue and just expecting them to change into something else and and they just kept it going and it just felt so demented and it felt like such a unique moment in the overall tour plus as justin knows who um i saw vegas 18 with justin and there's a moment during twist on november 1st where i saw trey and mike approach the microphones and I shook Justin because I was so excited that they were about to go into catapult. I just knew it. I felt it. I had like a, 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 a premonition that it's happening. It did not happen. And for them to go into it actually here, I was with, we, we, we do a big group of like 20 of us. We hold down four or five rows in, uh, in our favorite spot at, at Dick's. 
And every single person was high-fiving or hugging. They were like, it was one of those, you know, songs where like I had people tapping me on the shoulders who I didn't know, who were like, what song is this? You guys seem like you're freaking out right now. (laughs) Oh, it's Catapult. It's really rare. Oh my God, it's Catapult. Are you kidding me that they're playing it right now? This was the first time I saw this song since my second Fish show ever. That attendance bias just has to win it out. And I'm just going to say, this is a... 12 seed making it into the sweet 16 for me. Maybe this is the Cinderella pick. Nice. Wow. I, I, I went simple catapult. It was like a, a huge burst of energy and just one of those like, holy crap, what is happening here in the middle of the set? Um, that said, I love the camel walk. Mike and Paige are just going to town. That was the highlight of that night at the gorge for me. I, I do recall people kind of poo-pooing on that night. And I, I, I didn't get the hate, even though I'm the guy who 20 minutes ago was saying, I don't know about the gorge. Um, but yeah, tough choice. I went simple catapult just for the uh, uniqueness and just the absolute just shot of, of adrenaline that it, uh, that it gave me. And it, f- Felt like all four or five of our rows here at Dixon, uh, section 129, that's for sure. Awesome. Next matchup, we've got uh, the Vegas Axilla Part 2 at a four seed up against the San Francisco Gin at a 13 seed. I love that they brought Axilla 2 back after 26 years. That's so cool. Um, you know, the, the crowd reaction and my reaction when they played it at Shoreline was nuts. I started screaming. Um when he's saying summer sitting out by the pool as did everyone else. Um, and then doing it again in Vegas and then jamming it out for 20 minutes. Like what, <laughs> you know, like wh- what um, I do, I do have camel walk beating it. Um, you know, this was, I listened to them the other day and camel walk just really, really grabbed me. Um, but the, the axilla is an incredible jam and I, you know, will be talked about for a very long time. Yeah. I went to Excella here. Um, I love the gin, but, uh, I went to Excella. I, I was supposed to be at the shoreline shows when they were in Tahoe. And I ultimately backed out because I host about 15 people here over the Dick's run. And I decided there's no way I can travel to Tahoe and leave two children, a full-time working wife and, 15 people, uh, for even one evening. And I remember watching the first night texting with a buddy of mine who was supposed to be there with me. They're playing this great soul planet. (laughs) And we're both like, Oh, you know, cool. It's good. 20 minute jam. Lots of great 20 minute jams. Okay. It's a 30 minute jam. Oh my God. It's a 40 minute jam. Holy shit. It's the third longest fish jam ever. Why am I home right now? (laughs) What am I doing? What am I doing? And then the three or four songs later, they play Axilla two and he texts me and goes, this actually hurts worse than missing the soul planet. <laughs> um, I, I tweeted something when they were jamming the Axilla two that fish jamming Axilla two for 20 minutes is the kind of thing like a high school fish fan writes down in a dream set list, knowing yeah. it will never happen. And then it actually happens. It's one of those things, you know, we've all th- written down like our weird segues, you know, carrot this song will jam 25 minutes but it's like bouncing around the room or something and you're just making up a show in your head axilla 2 was always a song i wanted them to bring back and that ending riff just seemed like it would be a perfect entryway into a jam finally happened 
it's an amazing moment. Yeah. Sorry, Justin, before you go, I just want to say like, imagine just printing off this bracket and showing it to yourself in 2014 and being exactly. like, like you, you know, you don't know how long any of the jams are. You don't know what's happening, but like you look at it and you see Agzilla two as a four seed and something like Frankie says as a five seed, like if six was nine, like, you know, how do you react? I mean, the only that? thing that would make sense would be that two of the number one seeds are tweezer. Yeah. <laughs> well, since we're, yeah, like reliving our past selves, hypothesizing about our future selves, what if they played a whole show with animal songs? Wouldn't that be crazy? And that was night three. Yeah. Night two was, I think, my <laughs> probably my favorite night of the Vegas run. It was just, it was just rock solid. Too. Yeah. And I, I love how the Axela jam kind of oozes into Pink Floydy territory, which dovetailed nicely with the rumors of metal as being like the Halloween yeah. album, even though I feel like most people are like, yeah, they're probably not going to do a traditional cover. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great. I had a unique perspective for night two, like directly behind the stage looking down um, and just to watch the crowd light up with excitement when the song started, but then to watch the crowd, like keep, <laughs> keep the energy going as we explored, not only those like Pink Floyd sounds, uh, but then, uh, you know, got into like, shreddy bright airy midsection of the jam before it kind of came back uh it was it was great so yeah easy choice for me although i will say that uh the tweezer from shoreline does best the axilla in the uh, elite eight for me there we go all right next matchup hershey halley's comet at a six seed up against the eugene golden age from uh, at an 11 seed i think golden age kind of had a little bit of a disappointing year it only showed up a couple of times didn't really do anything too crazy, which is, you know, not usually like the song usually jams very well. So I, I was a little bit disappointed at that. But this Hallie's yeah. is incredible. I, it's the best one in a very, very long time. Um, you know, I'm really happy that they're finally jamming Hallie's again. Um, but this just another one of those just nice, happy jams um, really makes me feel good listening to it. I love this Haley's and I love 811. I went with the Golden Age. Ooh. I think it's a, I think it's, it should be a six or seven seed. Um, it's really creative. It takes some really cool ideas from the Ruby Waves and applies it. Uh, I will have it losing in the next round. But while I agree with you, I think that Golden Age had a bit of an off year this year. I loved this version and picked over the Haley's. I went with Haley's over the Golden Age. Uh, this is an example. I, I when I wrote notes, I said this is fairly straightforward for 2021 standards, which I mean doesn't really mean anything because it was such an exceptional year. But this is another example, kind of like, oh gosh, I, I think maybe it was like the birds of a feather I had cited earlier, where it's just like the in, embedded structure of the song already is like giving you that energy that you need. Uh, so if you're going to jam Haley's, you're already like a, a step ahead of of where you would be with. Uh, maybe half of other songs that could jam. Um, yeah. So I went Haley's um, Fishman really shined. And uh, yeah, those are, like I said before, anytime Mike is stepping forward, I'm, I'm a happy guy. And when Fishman is stepping forward and kind of the star of the show, uh, I'm also pretty happy. So that's what did it for me. Yeah. Next up, we've got the Vegas ghost at a three seed up against the Santa Barbara beneath the sea of stars. Um, at a 14 seed. I think the Beneath the Sea of Stars is definitely way underseeded. Uh, you know, this crazy jam that 
definitely had some people living in Santa Barbara be like, what in the world is happening at that concert <laughs> venue? Um, it's, it's really awesome. And, you know, beneath the sea of stars, when it, when it jams like that, it's amazing. And I urge if you, if people haven't listened to it in a while, check out the Mexico 2020 version of that. You know, I talked about that delightful scuzz jam, uh, in the, uh, San Francisco set your soul free, uh, that beneath the sea of stars from Mexico, 2020 has that delightful scuzz, you know, pages on his synth there, um, really, really nicely. But, you know, I went with the ghost, um, it's the best ghost in a long time. I think, you know, as ghost consistently delivers on great 10 to 15 minute versions, uh, every year, you know, you've got that modulation and they go into a bliss jam, then they go back. Um, you know, I think another ghost that probably could have made the bracket at a lower seed, um, was the Phoenix one. Uh, that one was great. Yeah. Had the little Julius reprise at the end, which was fun. Uh, but this ghost is just, it, it's, it's fantastic. I have it losing to a jam we haven't talked about yet uh, in the Sweet 16, um, but it is it's it's a very fantastic jam. Yeah, I thought this Sea of Stars was brilliant. Um, I agree with you. It's very very low. It, it should be much higher. Um, that whole second set from Santa Barbara is just a vibe, man. Uh, this ghost, though, I think I would argue this is the best ghost since 2.0. Um, we're so ghost is one of those just consistent songs. It's like, um, it's like the band spoon. Every time ghost is played, it's just great. And you take it for granted because of how great it is. And some versions, you know, have these like moments that move a little bit more into like the creative realm. Um, Atlanta or Alpharetta 2018 is a great example of that. Mm. Uh, Dick's 2019 is a great example of that, but so rarely do we get a ghost that gets into that creative realm. Uh, but then also extends itself and just like keeps going. No, you know, without any questions asked. Uh, and I have this going to the sweet 16 and ultimately losing to the jam that will make itself out of this bracket. Yeah. I think the fact that the, this is early in the Halloween show for me was a, a nice sign of like, Oh, okay. We're going to have some highlights other than whatever happens in the costume set mm-hmm. uh, was good. So yeah, I went with the ghost. Um, as far as anything specific to say about it, I love that it's a beat uh, in the first half. It's got a quiet and kind of searching midsection and the end, you know, instead of like a, a just a, a stereotypical, bliss jam or whatever like you guys were talking about in most 15 minute versions kind of just does the shuffling thing where everyone's kind of democratically shining so for me it was the ghost and i had i did not have this getting out of the sweet 16 though yeah we'll we'll get to we'll get to what we all have beating it uh, in a little bit um (laughs) our second to last matchup of the bracket we've got the deer creek everything's right at a seven seed up against the forum you enjoy myself at a 10 seed i would like to talk a little bit about this yem even though i do not have it winning the matchup uh because i think the everything's right has more depth to the improvisation but you know brian can attest to this when they you know they open the show with a wave of hope everyone's grooving a little bit and then they drop yem uh in the second slot the energy in the room immediately went through the roof. Um, and then when they started jamming it, you know, I think this is the best yem we've had since at least 2.0. 
possibly 1.0. I I have it as the best since 7.19.2003. Yeah, so it, it's incredible. Um, one really standout moment to me in it um, is when they're off in this Type 2 land and Fishman just brings back uh, the Yem drum beat and just kind of grounds the jam. Then they all transition back in and then it keeps jamming. And bonus points, truncated vocal jam that transitions into MoMA. Um, yes. I'm very on board with that. Um, but yeah, in the end, I do have the uh, everything's right advancing. Yeah, I, I love the um, um, I, I For the purposes of time, I share all of your thoughts. I, I was one of my favorite moments of the overall, of, of all the shows I saw. Uh, the everything's right. I've said this about a couple of jams, but I think that this is the most underrated and overlooked jam of the entire year. Um, you know, the, the Choctaw's torture from San Francisco, I think is up there. This everything's right. was almost ignored from the moment that it was played and you go back and listen to it. And there's so much creativity and they're building off of ideas from the night previously. And they're building off of, or building ideas that they would apply to in the, in the Dick's version uh, a couple of weeks later, I have this losing in the next round, but it's an, it's a jam. I adore. It's a jam. I go back to often. Yeah, I'm going to have to re re listen to the Everything's Right because I'm picking up what you're putting down. I will say that, gosh, uh, who would have thunk that when Everything's Right debuted, whenever that was? I mean, I remember Brian seeing one of the Vegas shows in 2018 with you, and they started, I think they started a set with Everything's Right. And it was just like, yeah. oh, okay. They opened We're, the first, uh, not the first, sorry, the November the night, 1st. Maybe? November 1st. Second night. Yeah, okay. Night, yeah, yeah I, I just. I mean, what new Trey song, uh, you know, has like given us as much confidence as like, all right, sweet. We've got a, a very good 15 to 25 minutes ahead right at the jump from everything's right. So that's what uh, that's what I went with. Yeah. All right. And our final matchup of the bracket. Um, you know, I think we're all going to have a lot to say about uh, the winner here. Uh, we've got the Atlantic City drowned at a 15 seed. It's a solid jam but it cannot stand up to the two-seed San Francisco Carini coming in the encore, taking everybody by surprise. You know, when I was webcasting this show, I'm on, I'm in Toronto, so it was like almost 2.45 in the morning when this jam was happening, um, and I was like tired. I was like ready to go to bed, and I was just up off the couch dancing my ass off in my living room just having an amazing time. And for a couple of weeks after it happened, I kind of thought of this Carini as, oh, you know, they play Carini in the encore and then they jam for a bit and then they just go straight into the bliss progression and, you know, rocket ship to the moon. And, you know, and then I listened to it more and I was like, wait a minute, there's 13 minutes of like dark jamming before that. Like what? (laughs) Um, And the way that the bliss emerges from the darkness, it's kind of like one second they're in this like, you know, synth zone where pages like, like shearing off like waves of sound. Um, and then suddenly it's major key bliss hose amazingness. And it's incredible. That's all I got to say about it. You can tell at a show how much I like a jam by how little I move. If I'm dancing, I'm having a good time. And the groove is moving. But like when I am just stunned in silence by fish, I just kind of stand there. I usually like cut my mouth a little bit with my hand. Like I'm just, I'm just, I'm there. My arms are crossed. Some people would look at it and be like, that guy is not having a good time. 
but it is like when I'm completely locked in and getting everything I want out of this band. They come out and they play Carini after this already incredible show. They could have played Rocky Top, Contact Rocky Top, and yeah. the show would have been one of the best shows of the year without question. And they come out and they play this Carini, and I was like, every person around us was like, are you kidding me, right? Like, what is happening right now? And then they go into this gym, and I just stood silent, just looking at the stage. And I was there with good buddy uh, RJB, and he looked over at me. He was a couple people down, and he looked over at me with just like this gigantic smile on his face. And we just both shook our heads like, I I don't even know what to say right now. And uh, it's one of the best jams I've ever seen live. It's one of the only jams I've ever seen that has reduced me to tears in the moment. Like mm-hmm. I literally just broke down watching it and it marches out of this round here. And um, it is uh, one of my two favorite jams of the year. I will leave it at that for now. Yeah. It, there's something so funny about jams that happen at the very end of a show or toward the tail end of a second set, because there is a little bit of like, anxiety at least in some shows like all right when are we going to get a big jam will it happen and they had already given us everything that we needed to get uh on 1016 but for me the fact that trey is like jedi toning his way into new territory it seems to happen on a dime but gradually at the same time uh in conjunction with pages synths uh that it's just so uplifting and, and searing. And as I've mentioned a few times, Mike is just going to town underneath everything. Uh, this was the only jam of the entire year out of my little one to 10 scoring system that I gave a 10 mm-hmm. to. Oh, yeah. And this jam just, even though it's, you know, it's a compact 19 minutes, it is everything that I'm looking for in a fish jam. There's nothing predictable about it. Everyone is hooked up. Uh, this ended up not only obviously winning the first round, beating out the Vegas Ghost for me, uh, but this faced off against the Shoreline Tweezer in the Elite Eight, and it wins the bracket for me. And not to put the cart before the horse, but I actually have this jam as taking the entire bracket. There you go. Which, I win a 19-minute jam uh, for me on the other side of the bracket was the Shoreline Soul Planet. When you know when right. a 19-minute jam is is going head to head with the jam as long as the Soul Planet and coming out on top to me in my ears that's a testament to just how potent it was. Yeah. Well, one other thing I loved about it too is in that bliss section at the end, Page is using his uh, Mogwa and the synth in a way that he normally uses the organ for. You know, like during that bliss peak, he's got that sustained chord on the synth. And it's just, it's such a cool sound. And I hope we see more of that uh, next year. But, you know, now that we've gone through the whole bracket, I've got uh, my finals matchup ends up being Deer Creek Simple against the Shoreline Soul Planet uh, with Simple uh, taking the whole bracket. I think that's going to be a common thing that we see a lot of people uh, do. I'm excited to see how the voting actually turns out. Brian, what do you, what's your end result? I've got the San Francisco Carini beating the Deer Creek Simple. Um, I love the Simple. It's such a great jam. But ultimately, the, I think it's attendance bias, and I'm willing to admit that. That's okay. The, the San Francisco the San Francisco Carini. I, I had, out of my four jams, this is the only jam I saw in attendance, and I saw some great, great jams in attendance. Um, and then I have on the other side – the Blazon beating the Eugene Ruby Waves, and I ultimately have the Blazon beating the Carini. At the end of the day, that Blazon, 
that 16 minute mark is my favorite point of the whole year. And it just, it, it was what ultimately pushed it over the top for me. And that's it. Thank you guys so much for sitting here uh, for two hours with me and talking through this bracket. Thank you to everyone. This is fun, who man. Is, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you to everybody who has listened uh, to all two hours of this. You are a champion if you make it through. Um, and yeah, follow along uh, the brackets progress. I will be tweeting about it, of course, um, along with the goose bracket, which you should also get involved in. Uh, but this bracket, uh, the voting will take place on fish.net. Uh, you can go check that out now um, at the time of this release. Voting will be underway uh, on the first round. Um, yeah, I'd just like to thank you guys again one more time. Thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of We Move Through Stormy Weather. Hope you have a fantastic day. I will see you next time. Hi, I'm Dave Gebro. I threw my career as a licensed hearing instrument specialist in the trash, sold my house, and created the ultimate music obsessives podcast, Discograffiti. Each episode of Discograffiti features an eclectic and wide-ranging slew of cool musicians doing long-form deep-dive interviews in which we rate either their favorite band's output or their own from zero to five stars. From Mike Watt rating the Minutemen to Terry Kirkman from The Association, Bob Nastanovich on Pavement, Bob Forrest on The Band, Bob Mayer on The Replacements, and Lou Barlow on The Zombies, each new guest swings a hard left into an area you either had no idea you needed to know about or know all about and can't believe you're not alone out there. Coming up, here's who we've got on the program. The Lemon Twigs, Robert Schneider from The Apples and Stereo, The Dedrick Siblings from The Free Design, Joel Self on mother-murdering superstar drummer Jim Gordon and a record-breaking 20-hour interview with the great Michelle Phillips about the mamas and the papas. You're not going to want to miss it because there's nothing quite like it. Don't let your youth go to waste, lads and ladies. Discograffiti. Subscribe. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.